Craft Beer Radio, episode 287 on April 26, 2014. Yeah. Bonjour, and welcome to Craft Beer Radio. I was just waiting for the right point, but all right, okay. Oh, I'm sorry about that. No, I stepped cool. all over it again. It's off. It's fine. Welcome to Happy Radio, episode 287. We are here to do some beers that uh, last week we had We had Greg come in. Uh, Greg and Alex come in from New Zealand. They brought us some beers that we decided, well, we didn't want to make one make sure they don't spoil or anything. So we right, right. Get so we're going to be doing the Flight of the up. Kiwis instead of the Flight of the Concords. So here we go. Um... Got a smoked pilsner here. Let's do that crazy thing. Well, okay. The only the only thing I would say is that the oyster stout is in a green bottle. That worries okay. me. So the less light exposure that it gets, the better. But then again, here, okay. So we have a smoked pilsner. We have an oatmeal stout. We have a tea leaf IPA, which mm-hmm. should be interesting, and uh, a, a Belgian triple. Yeah. So let's start with that smoked smoked, smoked pilsner. pilsner. Okay. So let's go to. Let's go to the video tape. Let's go. Okay, Two Fingers Joan of Arc Smoke Pilsner. Don't have much information on this from the brewery. Uh, White Beer has a page on it, 5.7% alcohol by volume, estimated calories 171. And uh, actually, Greg gave us some, some beer notes for these beers. So let's see what he says about the... Um... Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc. Two Fingers Craft Beers. He just because it's an unusual beer from one of New Zealand's newer contract brewers, Rock Pills. A Rock Pills. There's a history of Joan of Arc on the uh, label. If you don't know, she died for Christianity, essentially. She was born in 1412, a peasant girl. In I think she was died at like 14 or something, right? You're really young. Her bones were burned three times. Okay, here we go. Here's the stuff about the beer. That's why I smoked. Oh, God. That's, that's macabre a bit. But... <laughs> <laughs> Those crazy Kiwis. Comes in a half liter bottle. 5.7, like you said. It's approximately 2.4 standard drinks. Yeah. Back to the standard drinks. Oh, man. What was that again? Standard drink was... It's like... Uh, was it, it 5% alcohol volume? It's a certain... a certain volume of a beer at a specific volume. So it's... Equivalent to a glass of beer that is 4% or something. Something along those lines. You can take 500 milliliters divided by 5.7% ABV and figure out what a standard drink is. Divide that by 2.4. All right, so this beer pours um, kind of an orangey gold. It's uh, mostly clear. There's a little haze to it and a thin wispy head. I would call it more straw than orangey, but I guess there's a little bit of orange. Yeah, you're right. You're mo- you're you're right. It's a it's a fine line, I suppose. All right, so you put it up to your nose and you smell smoke. Yes, lots of lots. You of smell smoke. the bones of Joan of Arc. Gives you a mostly kind of that uh, Bamberg Rausch type smell, so it's kind of. Woody, but it's a little on the sweet side, not quite clovey or anything like that. That's the majority of the smell. I thought I smelled a little bit of peat smoke in there as well, but I went back to it and didn't really pull any of that out the second time around. No, I'm mostly smelling a little, maybe a little bit of campfire, but 
mostly it's just that, like you said, the sort of smoky kind of clove-like aroma that you get from a, that sort of smoke. Don't know other another way to describe it, unfortunately. Mm. Big smoke flavor in it as well. Mm. A little, a little bit like. A little bit like a smoked pepper. Okay. Um, hmm. Oh, but, but actually, at the end, it gets a little bit bitter. And, um, hmm. A little astringent at the end. It doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't lay off the smoke. No, it, it, <laughs> it the, the smoke just on. sort of piles on pretty, pretty strongly. Drinking this guy at fifty-seven degrees, it's probably a little on the high end of its of its best temperature. It's it's still fine, but this is a beer that probably is better off a little bit colder. Probably. I'm surprised it's fifty-seven already. We haven't had my out of the fridge that long. We have. I mean, how long was the was the pre-show? It was a long time. I don't know. It didn't seem that long. <laughs> We are drinking out of uh, out of our Saver Snifters, as a matter of fact. Saver comes in two weeks. We are doing these at the Saver Snifters, mostly because... Um, All the uh, good Snifters are dirty. No, I wouldn't say good dishes. Snifters. The the Snifters we, we generally like to use, the Spiegelau. These are still Spiegelau, but these are not... Speaking of Spiegelau, did you see the new glass that they put out this week? Yes, I did. They released a stout glass. Which looks almost... Ex- Exactly like their IPA glass, the IPA glass, except it doesn't have the ribs. It doesn't have the ribs. The angles are a little bit different. I don't know whether it has nucleation or not. Um, I love my speed glass snifters. Not, <coughs> excuse me, not a huge fan of the IPA glass. And now I think it's starting to get a little out of hand. You know, having a stout glass, yeah. having a, I mean, stouts are fine. Now. I mean, I'll try it when I get my opportunity, but. The Snifters treats delts really well. You know, yeah. I'm not sure I needed a stout glass for Not only that, but you have those Pilsner glasses. And come on, I mean, the Snifters are still better for Pilsners than those, those Pilsner glasses, I think. Just the way that they can get the aroma in there. Mm-hmm. The, uh, any, I mean, any tulip-shaped glass, I've, uh, glass is, I believe, the best way to drink beer. Mm-hmm. And so... The other shaped glasses, they have their own sort of characteristics, certainly, but I don't think I've ever had a better way to drink beer than in these tulip-shaped glasses. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I do use the IPA glass on 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 occasion because I own one, uh, but I have not. When I've done them side by side as blindly as I can, I prefer the IPAs out of the snifters. So. So keep in mind, whenever we talk about how great these snifters are, that there is a little bit of us, of us, just really enjoying the, the snifter part. It could be, it, it could be something, uh, something psychological. But I will say that I've never encountered anybody who disagreed with us with regards. Right. So to I know here's here's a thing that might might affect the, our opinion. Is generally we do half beers in the snifters. That's true. Half beers work in the snifters. The IPA and the stout glass are made for full beers. That's a really decent point. Because they have the chamber at the bottom, right? Yeah. So you really can't 
share a beer and use two IPA glasses. You know, they're not made for sharing. Where the snifters, there's, you could argue that half a beer and a snifter is better than having a full snifter. Where having half a beer in an IPA or stout glass isn't going to work because of the way the glass is designed. Right. That, that's a that's a very good point. It's something that I hadn't really thought of. But yeah, we, we share a beer and that does have an impact. Hmm. How's everyone like my sexy voice this time around? Jeff is get, just getting over his illness, so he still has a little bit of that lovely voice. That yeah, last bass. last show I was still hitting hitting it, and uh, actually Easter Sunday I spent the whole day on the couch mm. under covers. I just was feeling awful, so it's good that we got that out of the way before. Yeah, because that would have sucked to have them around and you not being able to go. Mm-hmm. But. And you, you must have felt also, because we, we got nice and lit, I think, at the end of that show. Definitely you did. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I was, I was okay. I wasn't too hungover in the morning. Um, but it was also the second night in a row, right, because we took a magic one on Friday night yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And um, actually, Friday night when I got back from dropping them off is when I first started hitting, you know, other, I started feeling ill, right? I was laying in bed freezing, you know, starting to get chills, things like that. So. Oof. Being sick is bad. That's why my 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 lower joints, my hips, my knees were sore. But I had thought it was because of my bike wreck last week, not because of something I was catching. But well, now I'm pretty I, sure it was something I was we catching. We didn't have to talk about this bike wreck. That didn't talk about last week. No, I don't oh, believe okay. so. We're we'll gonna, save that for the post show. Yeah, that's going to be in the post show. I'll hear all about Jeff's misfortunes. It turned out as good as it could have, but it could have turned out much worse. Hmm. I actually, after I got a chance, my tongue got a chance to get used to it. I really did enjoy it. The... Yeah, the first taste was was really, really smoky. And like, because I remember talking to Greg, and I'm like, oh, "That's a weird combination." Greg's like, "It's weird, but it works, right?" And I'm like, first sip, I'm like a little skeptical. Now I'm getting there, and I'm actually getting hot flavor and mm-hmm. things. You know, you, it takes a while for your tongue to mute the smoky flavors to actually pull up some of the malts and the hops. And I'm getting a little bit of a continental hop, something like that. A little bit of a bagel kind of sweetness to it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, though. It's still very smoky. So, think maybe smoked salmon without the salmon part. Maybe. It has a little kind of lox feel to yeah. it. Yeah, we go, we go that way. We're going to rinse our glasses here and make sure we don't bring any smoke along. Because that is a lot of smoke. Regardless, be an unwelcome passenger on the next beer, no matter what we drink. All right, let's do the hoppy one. Okay, this is the Yeasty Boys Gunamata. Now, when I first saw this, I thought it was Gunamatata. <laughs> but uh, so Gunamata is six point five percent alcohol by volume, fifty two IBUs. It's malted with Golden Promise Pale Malt, Carapils, Caramunic 60, and Wheat Malt. Hot with Pacific Jade, Motueka, Pacifica, and Southern Cross Hops. And it has a tea, Earl Grey Blue Flowers. This is a tea IPA. Uh, the yeast is a Fermentus US05. Now, let's see what Greg's notes are. It's uh, named for a song by Australian songwriter Paul Kelly. About Gunamata Beach. But um, the Yeasty Boys were in New Zealand's first gypsy and also contract brewers. 
and they are always looking for weird and often pulling it off with a plum. Uh, he says he believes this is the first tea leaf IPA in the world. Yeah, so on the label we got yeah, Leasty, Leasty, Yeasty Boys Tea Leaf IPA, 6.5%, Gunamata. We should have done a Yeasty Boys song. Yeasty <laughs> Boys, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. It, it shows a kind of 57 Chevy on the beach with surfboards sticking out the windows, guitar, big wave, kind of the label. It's just a kind of two-tone, maybe three-tone blue and green label. It has a... Um, like the the tea associations label is on there, right? It has like a a, a tea label, like yeah. Uh, uh, it has a sort of a circle mm-hmm. that is it ends in a leaf, it's and then definitely it says a tea, tea leaf and a giant T. Yeah, it's definitely a, a tea association trademark of yeah. some sort. All right, so the beer it pours uh, fairly clear. It's um, an amber. You know, an orange brown amber would be a good call. Mm-hmm. You can see your fingerprint through the glass, but it's slightly hazy. The nose, bergamot. You get oh, that Earl Grey just punches you right. You get this huge, you know, orange oil bergamot type. Yes, smell. yeah. It smells really good in the beer, but it is a potent smell. I actually think this this would be a good air freshener, and it mm-hmm. actually really decent, actually air, just plain old air freshener. That, that this sort of orangey tea would go well. In well, room. I mean, taking the the bergamot, bergamot oil, right, and blending that with you know some citric citrusy hops, you can kind of imagine listening at home how those could possibly work well together. And that's kind of what we're smelling here. The hops are really too singularly identifiable. At least not for me yet. There's a bit of cherry there, too. A little, almost like a chocolate-covered cherry, just in the okay. nose. Hmm. It smells really good, that's for sure. All right. Yeah, I keep getting much of the same thing in the aroma, which is mostly bergamot oil. And, you know, the hops are playing into the aroma, but I really can't discern how. I'm going to move on to the flavor. Big Earl Grey flavor as well. Different. Very different. The tea gives a really... It actually accentuates the malt more than the hops, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the hops are a little bit underplayed, at least in the first sip. But the bitterness is sort of coming up at the end, in the back of your mouth. Mm-hmm. The tea though is is pretty omnipresent. It's it, it's pretty strong, and it's got that Earl Grey floral quality. The, to the it. tea really dries out the flavor. You know, you get um, has a real drying character. Mm. That that because it's Earl Grey, and I've I've said it four times already. I'm gonna say it the fifth time. That bergamot oil is just really the the main thing in this. It almost tastes like they added extra bergamot oil to the beer, right? Because it's not this strong in an Earl Grey tea that I'm used to, right? Well, but a t- Earl Grey tea doesn't sit around and, and ferment for days and sure. days and days. Sure, so, right. I mean, you could be right there. It just it's a lot more potent than what you're used to in a cup of Earl Grey. Yes, and so it almost appears 
to someone who knows what an inaugural tea would taste like, which is the benchmark that everyone who's listening is using, it, there's extra oils added. There's extra bergamot added, right? There's I'm just thinking of Picard going up to a replicator and saying, tea, Earl Grey, beer. <laughs> Yeasty Boys, the year 2014, New Zealand. Replicate that, please. Hmm. I, I'm, I'm actually really enjoying this. More than I thought I would. The beer works. It really works. Uh, the bergamot, the tea, the 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 IPA that's in there. But the tea components of this beer really rule the beer. Yes. You know, it's. I was expecting something a little more IPA-ish with tea. This is this the, is tea beer. The only IPA part of it is the bitterness. Mm-hmm. I, that's the only part that 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 really comes close to an IPA in any sense. You could, I think, call this just a strong ale uh, 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 with tea, but an IPA works. I mean, you could call, I, it, a pa- I, I, you call I, it a tea just, pale ale. Yeah, too. I mean, at this point, you know, titles don't matter. I mean, when yeah. you said tea, actually, I was debating whether I would even throw out tea pale ale mm-hmm. or not, you know, and I was not going to do it because that doesn't help any more than tea IPA for the listeners. So, you know, Sure, it's it's an IPA that is mostly a tea beer, right? Yeah, and uh, I mean that's fine. There's no problems with that. It's just it's it's not a category you encounter very often. Well, there's that, and and trying to describe a, a starting point as an IPA doesn't isn't very helpful to listeners. Yeah, because right? a lot of what we need to do is start with a benchmark, and then dev- you know talk the listener into where we actually need to go, and from that starting point. And this one, the starting point is a cup of tea and not a beer. And I would also point out that as Americans, at least from my perspective, we don't necessarily have access to the greatest tea. You know, we don't have access to real English well, there's that. style I mean, tea. I mean, I, I, I drink a fair amount of tea. I've had some Earl Greys. But I, no, I haven't, I haven't contrasted. A dozen different Earl Greys, mm-hmm. right? So I really don't have the vocabulary. Or had you know, a traditional... I, I don't know if I've ever had a traditional sort of English tea service type thing where somebody okay. really prepared the tea. And I've had, you know, different teas that have been prepared mm-hmm. with tea balls and things like that. So good. I've had good teas. Right. But I've never had the, you know, the classic English tea. Right. And Earl Grey is not necessarily classic English. I mean, it's an English style, right? But if you're yeah. talking about classic English, I'm thinking, you know, just... Straight up black tea, breakfast yeah. tea type thing, you know, maybe with some cream added, right? Because that's a very neat, very English thing. Um, but if you're familiar with with Earl Grey, this one's an eleven on the Earl Grey scale. You know, at least mm. a ten, if not an eleven. It's so, so, you know, one of the. So, I, maybe I took this for granted. I didn't explain it enough. But you know, Earl Grey is a black tea, and then they add bergamot oil, which is uh, oil derived from a orange peel. Right, bergamot orange, I think, is where it I comes think from. So, yeah, and um, that is really the distinctive flavor that is in Earl Grey, and that is almost all of the flavor I'm getting out of this beer. That's why I said earlier it almost seems like they took you know extra bergamot and added it to the beer. It's because it it's so potent compared to any Earl Grey tea that I've had, but it also is a flavor that works in a beer. I mean, it's it's yeah. I, I think that if anytime you let this sort of soak, 
and, and, and you soak it and soak it and soak it and soak it over and over and over, this kind of flavor will come out. I mean, that's what you have with tea bags when you mm-hmm. soak them and, and you can determine how long you want to soak them or not. More intensity comes out. If you oh, soak them for I've, days and I mean, days that's and it. days, never you're going to have. I've never had a, um, a cold brewed Earl Grey either, right? Yeah. Obviously, when you're doing hot teas, you don't want to steep them for too long because you start extracting cannons, things like that, right? It gets really astringent. Cold brews, you can steep for days, right? And it doesn't pull out the, the tannins. So if they threw in 50 pounds of, of loose leaf Earl Grey or something like that, right? Steeped it for two weeks. It, maybe this is the amount of oils that get pulled out, right? Maybe, yeah. Maybe that's just the way it works. It's hard to say because I've never tried it. Greg does say that uh, this is one of Alex's favorites, though. He's on the fence. I'm with Alex on this one. I'm really enjoying this a lot. I wish we had more TIPAs or similar IPAs around here. You know, that's kind of an easy style to homebrew, right? Yeah. You just make an IPA, throw some tea on it, right? Try different kinds of teas. Find, you know, which flavors work, which ones don't. My sister once had a, a tea that she brought that... To, to my parents' place, which was a sort of orange coconut. It was amazing. There are lots of great teas out there. Mm-hmm. You can go to a tea store to get amazing quality teas. But now's a good time to go into our uh, our little uh, promotion. So I hope everybody... Oh. <laughs> oh. hope everybody is willing to... We're going to start running around the table here really fast. Perhaps... Go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon and buy a whole bunch of stuff. You can buy tea paraphernalia, you can buy tea balls, tea strainers, tea cups, tea pots, Earl Grey tea, all kinds of great stuff. Tea bags. No. You can (laughs) buy them. You went there, didn't you? Yes, I had to. All right. Yeah. So, you know, we've been going straight to our easiest way. For listeners to, promote, to help support the show. And that is because we presume that many of you are shopping on Amazon anyway. So all you have to do is go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Next time you think about shopping on Amazon, don't go to Amazon.com. Go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. You'll be redirected to Amazon with our referral linked in there. And it doesn't cost you a penny more. And you help support the show. You get about 6% of your total spend in cash. And that would otherwise just go to Jeff Bezos. And you wanted to go to us more than Right. Jeff I mean, Bezos, do you really want you? him having drones flying around your neighborhood? No. No. Privacy. It's all about privacy. And there is a great yes, privacy Craft Beer Radio is your privacy podcast. Well, that's it because we don't know that you bought stuff. We know that our listeners have bought specific things, but there's plausible deniability. So if you buy, you know, the, the old Milwaukee Probably the first time Brewer plausible deniability has ever been coaster. set on the show. What's that? Probably the first time plausible deniability has ever been set on the main show. It the main the main show. Well, you have plausible deniability. You can buy the goofiest stuff. You can buy, you know, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic comic books, and we won't know that it's you. We won't laugh at you. You could be a brony in secret. Let's see how that one go. All right. Uh, if you want website hosting, we recommend Bluehost.com, and there is a referral link on our webpage on... <coughs> I'm sorry. On the show notes. And you can uh, click that. And if you sign up for a Bluehost.com, they give us a pretty sweet referral. So if you're looking for website hosting, do that. 
And uh, if you just have too much cash, and you, you have everything you need, and you know there's nothing on Amazon that you need, then you can just send us cash. And that's uh, there's a link on our website to send us money through PayPal. That's about it. Thank you. Know, you. I, I know everyone listening has too much cash and nothing to spend it on. That's absolutely the case. Because we have a very, very distinct audience. Of, very erudite, of very, very uh, smart, intelligent audience. Yes, who has everything they need and just too much money. Back to the show. Which one do you want to take? Well, you know, maybe we should just mention, you know, if you have too much money and you want to fly into Pittsburgh, you know, we'll have you on the show. We will. We would love to have you. And if you live in Pittsburgh, you know, just start a a dialogue with us, you know. We won't take all your weirdos, um, but you talk to us, become our friends, you know, you can be on the show like Greg was last week. He came all the way from freaking New Zealand, and he brought us some beers. And uh, it's really quite humbling that some guy decided, you know, he comes to North America every couple years, but he came to Pittsburgh for two days, two and a half days. Why? Because he likes the podcast. That is that's pretty crazy. That's awesome. We love you, Craig. All right, what's uh, what's next? Well, these are stouts, so we got to do the triple next, right? Okay. So actually, this is brewed uh, by Greg. This is part of his company, Bureaucracy. Yeah, if you remember last week, Greg, he still has a day job. Oh no, Greg, it's a gusher. He said it might be, I believe, on his. Okay. Uh, on this thing. So this is a Belgian-inspired triple or golden straw, 9.6% by volume, 1.078 in the OG, 35 IBUs. The color, he calls it a 5 SRM, which is uh, straw-colored uh, with... Uh, I'm going to go get the bar towel. You keep talking. Okay. With the really... It, it's... Mm, it's slightly... It's, it's mostly... Uh, you can't really see through it very well, but you can see through it a little bit. It's malted with German Pilsner malt, Carapils, and raw sugar. It's hot with Target and Zotz hops. The yeast is a Y yeast, 37.87. Let's take a look at his uh, his information that he provided about it. Uh, he says, when fresh, this is more of a Belgian Golden Strong a la Duville than a true triple. He says the samples from the last batch he had samples of and has been stored uh, warm for quality for QC purposes. Um, he says his hope is, he hope it's okay, he hopes it's okay due to lack of filtration or pasteurization it doesn't really age that well. But we'll we'll be the judge of that, Greg. <laughs> so I was saying he uh, he works part time in tech still, and then part time for his brewery, and uh, it's he's. Not really a gypsy brewer because he brews at the same place, but he only owns gear like one third of the time. So there's like three guys or three organizations who share the gear, and bureaucracy gets to use the brewery one third of the time. It's somewhat grassy, somewhat sweet aroma. At first, I thought I smelled a little bit of a band aid, but it kind of is going away. Hmm. Something I'm smelling that's a bit, um, it's not quite fusel, but it's kind of hot. Oh, rubbery. There's something a little well, kind of rubber cement It's a rubber flower thing. Yeah, right? there's, yeah. It's not too solventy on its own, but it's a solventy flowery thing. Yeah. It, it's a weird sort of combination between not quite rubbery and not quite flowery. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's hard. I, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go acetone. No, I definitely wouldn't go acetone. But there's a aroma on there that I'm not going to say is is necessarily bad, but I'm going to say it raises flags. Well, yeah, there's there's this isn't the beer Greg wanted to bring. Yeah, yeah I mean, let's not candy coat it. Let's not, you know, let's just talk about what we're tasting. There's something off. I mean, let's beer. be honest about it though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's something off, right? And yeah. it's it's not straight up acetone, but it's it's something that's solventy and floral. Uh, it's not getting any more clear, so I'm going to move on to the flavor here. It actually comes through in the taste, too. It tastes a little yeah. plasticky, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, so it's a, it's a Belgian triple, so you wouldn't expect a ton of body. This one has a, a thinner body, right? Mm. It seems like... The the infection has kind of worked through the beer and eaten up some of the body a little bit. Um, I just got to help. All right. So when I first took a sip, it tasted kind of like a Duval, like he had described, yeah. but a little on the thin side. And then as it kind of sat on my palate, it, it actually tasted green. It got really skunky. Like it almost tastes like a green bottle. Really? Yeah. I guess I got this like late aftertaste. It was like just... Straight on skunkiness. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I think it gets kind of sweet and a little bit hoppy at the end. I I, I think that at the beginning, though, I do taste something a little bit. No, it's definitely light struck at some point. I, I taste something that's a little bit like, um, oh, yeah, no, now I'm tasting it. It comes in a little late, yes, right? But yes, it, It's just straight up light struck. Yeah. Yeah, there's some of that isoprenomer captain in there. It's unfortunate. But yeah, he I'm did sorry. Say that, I'm sorry, Greg. But, but yeah, this one didn't travel well. I, it uh, has a couple things going on. The light struck. I'm not sure when that happened, but there's also a bit of a. I, I think it has to be mostly acetone, but it doesn't really come across straight up. No, it weirdly it. comes across as kind of like action figure, right? I mean, it comes across as somewhat vaguely plastic. Some, some PVC. Yeah. Uh, some PVC yeah. type thing. But but not in in a strangely not in a in a terrible way. I think I think the worst part is now that I'm really delving into it, mm-hmm. it is that that light struck thing at the end, which is never really that pleasant. But the the, the weird thing is that that uh, the plastic thing is not terrible. It it, it has this vague kind of floralness mm-hmm. to it. Yes. I think the carbonation is right. I think that the uh, the body is is slightly less than than optimal. So, like Greg said, right? These here you can put it in here if you want. Greg said that you know these beers are rattling around his suitcase for two weeks around yeah. North America as he brought them. So that by itself doesn't explain the specific off flavors that we're tasting, but it also isn't a great way to store beer. Mm. So, I mean, it is what it is, and uh, we're gonna move on to the next beer. Greg also brought us a smoked beer from Bureaucracy. Uh, maybe we'll pull that out last. If we, yeah. We'll see how our palates feel. It, it, it's definitely unfortunate because um, the, uh, I mean, I'm sure it's great. It, 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 it's better fresh, but you have to worry about these things. We need to be, that's why we wanted to do this show right after mm-hmm. he came so we could get these right. beers as fresh as possible. So 
this next one is the Three Boys, right? This is the Three Boys Oyster yep. Stout. So, uh, they've been established in Christchurch, uh, though they after some quakes that happened there, they've had a rough time uh, because of some havoc that happened, but they've gotten back together again. Uh, he says that apparently New Zealand invented making the oysters stout with actual oysters, but this may be apocryphal. Yeah, I don't you, know. You mentioned that last week. I was skeptical of of that story. I've never heard anything like that. Um, Six point two percent alcohol by volumes. This is an oyster stout made with real oysters. One of the that's that's the kind of oyster stout I like. I mean, there are ones made with fake oysters, right? I mean, Yards <laughs> Love Stout doesn't have oysters yes. anymore. So, yes. Okay, the aroma on this one is quite nice, right? The beer pours. Very black. <coughs> Excuse me. Exceedingly black. Hold it up to the light. Not seeing any kind of highlights at all. Has, the only worry I have about this is that it's in a green bottle. But it's such, but a, it's, dark it's such a dark beer. It's that, not a hoppy that beer. light doesn't... But green bottles, it, you'd expect that import flavor, you know? You, yeah. You, you worry about that. There's I've a... had stouts in green bottles that have been light struck. Mm-hmm. It's ha- it, it can't happen. This is also best before April thirteenth, I think. April of last year. Of last year. April twenty third of thirteen. So I think this is the one he said the the new version came out like the day after they left New Zealand. Oh. Right? So Oh, I mean if this was kept in, in a in a cool dark well, place. As then... they say on the back, store cool and in the dark for best flavor, serve it. 10 to 13 degrees Celsius, approximately 2.3 standard drinks, 6.5% ABV. It's about 14.9 degrees Celsius, i.e. 58 degrees. Sounds like a good calibration for our palates versus Mm. the published... uh... Yes. All right, so the aroma. The aroma is rich. You get a roasty. You get some of that... um, mineraliness that you get from an oyster stuff. Yeah, there's stuff. a slight kind of brininess, right? A slight, uh, like, far-off ocean. I mean, my palate's primed, right? Last night I had Imperial Stout and Oysters, so my palate is primed. Yeah, you lucky beer. asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you can go to Whole Foods and get oysters anytime you want. I mean, But on ice and... Yeah, yeah, I just... So I went to Whole Foods, and they had a Yeti tasting, right? A Yeti flight. And they have a small pub menu there. The bottom of the pub menu. Fresh shuck oysters. Huh? So, well, in two dollar weeks, a piece, dollar in, a piece. Nice. In two weeks, we'll get plenty of oysters. Yes, we will. So the smell, the stout part of this does smell. We haven't tasted it yet, but it smells delicious. It smells big and robust. It smells like a lot of roasted barley. It doesn't straight up smell imperial. You know, you really don't get a booziness. But it has a saturation of of aroma that almost leads to that. You know, it's it's not a it's not a light stout. It's not a watery stout. You know, it smells like a rich, robust stout. It smells really good. Mm. I don't know if I would necessarily pull out. That oysters were there if I had tasted this blind. But I think that you can taste a little bit of the brininess in mm-hmm. the beer. 
I I think is a great quality. Yeah, I think you're right, right? It doesn't scream, you know, chalky calcium, yeah. you know, mineral. But it's a nuance that's there when you know to look for it, right? The the beer tastes it's a year old, but man, the beer tastes nice and fresh to me. I'm not pulling up off any off flavors. Mm-hmm. It doesn't taste quite I was talking about this saturation of aromas. Yeah. It's not quite as saturated in the flavor, but it's still a big, full beer. It has a nice, deep, chocolatey, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sort of bitter chocolate to it. it does. With that chalky limestone. There's that. There's a bit of a, a mellow coffee, kind of. I've been yeah. drinking some. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. There's an Indian coffee that I've been drinking recently. It's called Monsoon Malabar, and the beans are actually washed in the monsoon rains type thing, and it lowers the acidity, and that I'm getting some similar... Yeah flavors off of this probably right? knowing my coffee and arabica right it's sort of a it's a less funky yeah, yeah. so this reminds me of that. that that coffee also carries a significant woody note and let's see if i if i'm relating it because there's a kind of a woody note here let's see it's more of this left because i may have to drink some more of this this is really really good i'm really enjoying this this a is lot. the three boys oyster stout out of christchurch wow and and there is a, a small sort of slightly salty kind of briny flavor here that. Hey, if we send this bottle back to Three Boys Brew, we get twenty cents. Let's do it. Twenty us twenty New Zealand cents. So, how much is that? In I have no idea the exchange rate in American money. America. <laughs> oh, this is good, real good. Mm. And and wow, I mean, think about how balanced this is because there's definitely hops there, but I, I don't really taste them. But the bitterness is totally making the sweetness not cloying at all. Yeah, I mean, the hops are, they taste kind of like East Kent Coldings or something like yeah. that to me. It tastes very English. Um, something that would fit very well in a dry stout. Um, excuse me. This is just good. Wow. I think uh this like, is the kind like, of beer like that you I... said, the oysters are are not brazen. They're not screaming in your face. But knowing that it's an oyster stout, you can pick out the the essence of the the shells, right? And really that's what you get out of an oyster stout for people who aren't familiar, is the 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 beer may or may not have oyster flesh in the fermenter. Um doesn't really matter. Because the majority of oyster stout is the shells that are in the fermenter. Mm-hmm. The mineraliness you get off the oyster shells. That is the essence of an oyster stout. So you could, uh, you know, order five pounds of oysters, eat all the delicious flesh right on the half shell, and then save the shells for your, your oyster stout homebrew. And uh... It's a little like, it's not quite the same, but it's a little like if you, if you take a lobster... <clears throat> You eat a lobster, you eat all the meat from the lobster, and then you take the lobster, just the the uh, the shell, and you can use that to make a lobster stock. Could and do it that. tastes absolutely delicious without even having any lobster meat in there. Right. I mean, you could do that. I was I would equate, you know, oyster shells are more like rocks, right? I mean, yes. Just, I mean, they're just getting calcium. They're plain old calcium carbonate. They yeah, are. so you're just getting chalk and rocks, right? So, I mean, you could use, you know, sticks of chalk, but... This is going to give you a better result, a little more complex. But there's also a little bit of salt from <clears throat> right. from the sea in there, right? So there's 
Mm-hmm. There's other types of things in there. Right. There's minerals. And I'm going to, I'm going to finish this. Sure. No, go for it. Yeah. Now I guess, you, you know, there's a question. Maybe save me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, of, of that, course. So I'm not going to finish you. it all. I mean, I'm going to finish. Let, let's finish it together. Yeah, is what yeah, I mean. The rest. Um, Should a vegetarian partake in an oyster stout? I believe so. If it's just the shells, right? Well, mm-hmm. not only that, but I don't think that I don't think that oysters qualify for the kind of things that people I've actually seen vegans and vegetarians make this argument that oysters don't really qualify for the kind of they're not cute enough to be... Well, I mean, they don't really... They're just a muscle. That's all it really is in in terms of it being an animal. Uh, it's it's just a muscle and kind of a mouth and an anus. And that's really all it really has to go for. It doesn't have a complex nervous system. Right. It, it's just uh, a more, you know, a, a sort of different kind so of plant. we had some beers at work. Uh, you know, we had a happy hour at work and I picked up a bunch of variety cases and one of the beers was the Flying Dog Oyster Stout. Mm-hmm. And there was uh, one vegetarian in particular who wouldn't try it. But I think the name turned her off more than the Oyster Stout. Because well, it was a dog? Well, no. They call it a pearl necklace. Oh. <laughs> I think the Oysters turned her off too. But I think the name turned her off most of all. I, I do remember reading an article. I forget where it was. But an article where somebody was a vegetarian, <clears throat> actually a vegan. And he said that he thinks that... Oysters are fine. Uh, that doesn't make sense to me because I thought vegans was like, don't kill any animal life. And but, I mean, his his essential point was that oysters uh, are really all not that much different from... I mean, that I can get into a whole argument about this, and I probably will in the post show, why I don't think right. that, that making this distinction makes sense. But the distinction being that a plant versus an oyster is not that far. It's not, it's not the same thing as a cow. I think you can definitely agree no matter where you are, that a cow versus an oyster is a completely different paradigm of life. No, it's a good point. I'm not going to ready to argue against it or anything. Um, other than, excuse me, an oyster, eats organic material, right? I mean, yes. So it's an animal. Yes. And if you just there are lines, plants that eat organic material. There are. So, but I'm sure vegans don't eat and, Venus. And actually, all plants eat organic material. They just okay. do it well, in more subtle ways. I, well, I'm not like I said. I wasn't prepared to argue the semantics. <laughs> Please forgive me for not using the proper semantic of of what how a plant converts energy versus an animal mm. converts energy. You know what I meant. Yes, I know what you meant. But let's get back to the beer. Yeah, it's really delicious. This is something that uh, this is this is the only beer of them that I was only slightly dreading because of the green bottle. It hasn't affected it at well, all. Well, yeah, the green bottle is not an issue. Green bottles scare me so much. I know. And um, I, you know, granted, there's a air of prestige for green bottles, but I would hope in 2014. Yeah, not not anymore. When uh, we started, uh, maybe. Also, I'd hope in 2014 no one would use these In 2005 things. when we started, it was a different story than 2014. Maybe it's... I mean, I'm hoping that these guys, the three boys, would only use the green bottles for their stouts. Yeah. Like, you know, remember how Samuel Smiths would use clear bottles except for their IPA? Yeah. 
and then they would put their IPA in a brown bottle. Showed a little bit of sanity at the brewery, right? Um, I think Samuel Smith uses more, a lot more brown bottles now. I don't Am I just imagining it, or have I seen Heineken in a brown bottle? You're probably imagining that I one. probably am imagining it. I know I've seen some beer that used to be in a green bottle. Oh, something I wanted to bring up real quick. Today, um, after Allison's soccer game, I went to the uh, over-the-bar Broadhouse. Um, Weyerbacher was having a little brunch thing there. And, uh, oh my goodness, they had $3 Insanities, which is their barrel-aged... Yeah. Um, barrel-aged... Is it uh, a quad? Insanity is barley wine. Barley wine. So they're blithering 80 in barrels. Um, that was good. But they have a new whip beer. The whip beer was awesome. Really? I mean, the whip beer, not doing it side by side or anything, but the whip beer tastes like Who Garden. And I was telling Chris, the uh, the Weyerbacher rep, that holy crap. You know, we always talk about on the show, we're looking for a beer to upset Who Garden, but nothing does because Who Garden is such a fantastic whip beer. But I think yours. I'm not saying it's going to upset it, but it, it's up there. It has some very Who Garden flavors. And he surprised me because they add... <coughs> excuse me. What do they add to it? They add... Oh, I can't remember. There's a couple spices added to the beer to bring it like in line with that, right? It's not all... Interesting. I mean, there's orange peel. There's coriander, right. of course. There's two other spices. If I can think of them, I'll bring it back up. I can't, but the Weyerbacher Whip Beer was really good. It was it was so good. I just needed to mention it on the Something show. to look for if you're in the area of Pennsylvania. It's, it's, it's a limited release. Uh, I think he said that the Pittsburgh area is already sold out of the Whip Beer. Um, I'm not even sure the official name of the Whip Beer, but it's the Weyerbacher Wit and uh, awesome, we'll really awesome. Speaking of other beers, mm-hmm. I wanted to bring this up in in the main show. We read an article, actually there was an article in Esquire, about Jim Cook from Sam Adams. Oh, yeah. If you've followed any beer social media the last couple of days, you've heard about this. Yeah. So Jim has a trick, he says, that makes him not get drunk. He can drink beer all day and not get drunk. Right. And his trick is to uh, eat... Activated yeast. Activated yeast. The Fleischmann's activated dry yeast... I think uh, he typically mixes it in yogurt. Yeah, he put, mixes yogurt, and he has like one per beer or something like that. It, he says one packet of dry yeast per beer. Yeah. Now, far be it for me to to jump on the face of Jim Cook, but we have seen him at several events. He's not always sober. No. <laughs> I've never hung out with a drunken billionaire other than Jim Cook. Let's yes. just say that. Yes. <laughs> I would not say he's ever been, like, sloshed. I've never seen him sloshed. I've seen him out there. I've seen him... I've seen him... So, it depends how you define three sheets. Maybe not three sheets. But I've seen him to the wind. That's for sure. I know that when when I did my interview with him in at Sabre, I think, 2009 or 2010, when we did the interview about the, the, the tax thing, mm-hmm. he was kind of... He was in the same area I was, which was pretty close to slosh, but not quite there. Yeah. So it was so so to, to see this to see the guy at Esquire saying he's never seen Jim Cook sloshed. It was like you know, <laughs> have you hung out with Jim Cook? Yeah, he sa- he says he's been to several things and seen him there. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I mean, it, I, Jim Cook's a great guy. 
He's always He's available. He's the coolest billionaire yeah. I've ever talked to. Always available to talk to, always, you know, welcoming. Uh, but to say that he's never drunk is is a bridge too far, I think. Yeah, I think so. I saw a beer nader, um, John Surratt from Chicago, uh, tweet. You're like, yeah, um, no. <laughs> Have you ever hung out with Jim Cook? <laughs> this doesn't work all the time. Now, Snopes has an article about it where they, they question whether it's possible and they haven't come to a conclusion as to whether, because there's some things that say no and some things that say yes. So, there's this. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's really a complex microbiological issue, yeah. right? Because he says that the, the activated yeast breaks down the alcohol, but technically, doesn't yeast make alcohol? It, well, it does in the presence of the right sugars, but mm, it, it, right, it also right. can create other different chemicals. I think Jim's story is that it breaks it down into alcohols or compounds that are more metabolizable, mm-hmm. right? So it gets it out of your system quicker. It's a very complex issue. But remember that story from last year where the, the dude had auto brewery disease, right? Mm-hmm. Or he had a yeast cake in his gut yep. that anytime he ate something sweet, it would turn it into alcohol. And he would get, get a, drunk without. He having... would get a blood alcohol level beyond legal driving limits from the yeast in his gut making alcohol from the, the the sugars that he would eat. You know, so that is kind of the opposite of Jim's desired effect, right? So it's hard to say. It's a very complex issue. I don't want to draw any conclusions. It's a fun story. It's a funny story. Yes. And yes, both people at this table have talked to Jim Cook when he has not been stone cold sober. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, that was great. That was the three boys. Oyster Stout. Our next beer is the Otis from Parrot Dog. Parrot Dog Otis. So this is a oatmeal stout, 6.3% alcohol volume. Uh, with rolled oats, it's brewed, and uh, they call it a winter warmer. Interesting. But it's an oatmeal stout. But they say it's uh, this deep black winter warmer is perfect to sip during those chilly evenings. Okay, so. Let's see what Greg says about the uh, about this beer. He says it's a silky pleasant oatmeal stout from Brewing Wellington. And he says it's a great beer. So, let's see. Uh, it pours dark, very, very dark, just black, plain old black, no highlights, just black. I mean, really, there there are no highlights. I'm holding this up to the light, and I see nothing. It is just black. So they have a story on their label here. So the brewers... Well, check that out. Hold the beer. Out I, I usually see, like, okay. a, a barest bit of a highlight. This is just... Well, no, but it is an oatmeal stout. I, I didn't see any highlights in the oyster stout either. I was expecting this one to be more opaque than an oyster stout. There's a story on their label talking about the parrot dog guys. Uh, parrot dog began with uh, manic Indian ringnet parrot, blah, 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 dogs. Uh, but uh, two home brewers who were giving their beer to real brewers got you know good feedback, gave them the confidence confidence. To go commercial. That's kind of their backstory. Hmm. I think I might be 
Parrotdog.co.nz. a little bit of something offhand in this one, too. Although, maybe that's... No, it's kind of going away now. It's probably more no, roasty. There's, there's something a little... Um, let's see. Something a little plasticky about this, you think? I was thinking more light struck. But again, it's not messed out, so it'd be yeah, very hard to light strike. Yeah. That was something I, I thought I'd considered, but... So I'm smelling some... This one's more coffee-like. And and not coffee in the traditional coffee beer sense, but coffee in the the fruity, acidic coffee way. The, you know, some of the AeroPress beers or coffees that I make at work. Has a... Yeah, you're right. That light are, thing is... Are you smelling a, like corn? Like a maize type thing? Almost like a candied maze or something like that. That's a, it's a weird it's, statement. It's really it's weird. A weird sentence I'm, to put together. But. I'm I'm not quite sure what I'm smelling. I, I oscillate between oh this just smells like a good stout and See, I'm this not, smells I'm, light. Strike. I'm not smelling the light strike anymore. I'm smelling candied maze. No, I get a little plasticky too. There's something weird going on here. I don't know. See, nothing I'm smelling right now is particularly bad. The the light strike something that I smelled right off the bat. Kind of volatilized out. Oh no, I, I kind of swirled the glass, twisted the glass a little too much. I'm getting the light strike again. <laughs> yeah, it tastes skunked somehow. Mm-hmm. How do you skunk an oatmeal stout? In a brown boil. I'm telling you, it can happen. It can, but it maybe maybe it's maybe it's the shop where this beer was sitting for you know several months. It's not terribly skunked. It's not overwhelmingly skunked. But remember, you can detect mm-hmm. things yeah. to nearly one part in a, in a trillion. So these are even if it's skunked just a tiny bit, you'll detect it. And it's it's influencing the the, mm-hmm. the way that we taste the beer. Oh, it really comes the the skunky really comes through late, like twenty seven seconds late in the taste. The skunk really comes back and punches you right in the nose. Yeah, and also it still actually tastes a little plasticky to me too. It, it, there's a little bit of uh, I'm not getting that part of band aid. I'm not getting that part of it. The rest tastes pretty good. Getting this uh, coffee acidity, fruity, almost like a blueberry. Um, it's the it's the blueberry flavor you would get if you were talking about blueberries and coffee, right? Not blueberries by itself. It's it's a different yeah, thing. Okay, all right, it's a different thing. That's make more makes more sense, I suppose, because definitely I'm not tasting mm. blueberries. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the first like when I take an immediate sip, it doesn't taste all that bad. But then as I sit here and I digest the flavors on my palate, it comes back around and says like, "Ah, oh, skunked." Mm-hmm. Well, you just want to go into the rankings and and wrap this Did up. Did you want to bring the other bureaucracy out? I guess we could do that. Yeah. Why don't you give me a glass? I'll give you a good thorough rinse. Great. I'm going to pause. 
All right, so we're back. We uh, have Greg's other beer, the other bureaucracy beer, but we have one other New Zealand beer, so we might as well do them tonight, both okay. of them, instead of you know leaving one. Well, let's try this. Uh, this is a smoke. Smoked. Yeah, let's do the Yakima Scarlet first. All right. So this is from Yakima. They have a. Is that the name of the brewery? Really? Uh, what's the name of the brewery? The name of the brewery is Liberty Brewing. Okay. Uh, okay. So this still is... sounds American. <laughs> Oh, let's see here. If they call it a hoppy red ale, 6.9% alcohol by volume, 50 IBUs, 1.066 of the original gravity. Pale ale, Munich, caramel, and a crystal special B malts with Warrior, Centennial, Cascade, and Columbus hops. This one only has a 10 cent deposit. Man, we're losing money on this. <laughs> it's hoppy. It is. It uh, so it's kind of like a hoppy amber, right? Yeah. You, you know, it's definitely an amber color, kind of a reddish brown. Yes. Pours a light head, a few big bubbles around the edge, mostly just a wispy covering over the top. It's a little cold because this is just out of the freeze yeah, fridge, so I'm going to give this a little hands around this puppy. Let's see. So currently we are at forty-seven point eight slash. 8.8. Mm. That's pretty cold. But it is uh, an IPA, right? I mean, sure. Us, you know, craft beer radio yes. guys like drinking things, you know, cellar temperatures, cask temperatures. Yeah. Things like that. But this, that wouldn't be out of the It wouldn't be question. out of the question, but I prefer 10 degrees more than 48 degrees. Absolutely. I, I prefer something around 60. Okay, so the aroma on this one. That's still plenty cold. Remember, you're at 98. Yeah. Roughly. Room on this one, you get kind of a... You get a fair amount of caramel from the malts. You get a little bit of toffee from Special B. Then you also notice that you get a fair amount of hoppiness. Kind of a... They call it Yakima Twilight, so it's obviously... Or Yakima Scarlet, I'm sorry. It's obviously, you know, West Coast... Uh, you know, American West Coast inspired... Um, the person who wrote the description says, "I still don't know what style of beer it is, but I can tell you that it is a hoppy and is I, t- I can tell you that it is hoppy and it is red." That kind of sums it up. I mean, it, it, I mean, American red, hoppy red. They say on the label, "Hoppy red ale." I mean, really, that's it for me. You know, there's there's red ales that are West Coast hoppy yeah. and things like that so red ale is not one of your favorites but i think the hoppier versions you like more than yeah i mean they're they're closer to ipas yeah. right i mean irish reds i don't get they, d- yeah. they don't it's it's like I, it's like me and scotch ales it's yeah like, i mean i've learned to appreciate almost every style of beer except for irish reds you can give me a world-class gold medal irish red i won't get it doesn't matter so but everyone has their blind spots west coast red ales yeah west coast red ales are not Irish reds, so I'm okay here. I'm trying to find mine. Visual blind spot. Yeah. Uh, I can't really pick out exactly, you know, there it is. Any kind of like hop <laughs> flavor that's particular in the beer, but it has a general smell of, yeah, Yakima hops, right? It's Cascade Centennial, maybe something like a Chinook. It definitely doesn't really have any kind of overtones of. The crazy new 
bright citrusy mm. hops, right? You know, no, there's no passion fruit. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, super distilled orange flavors in this, right? It, it's more of a general citrusiness. Yeah, there's there's sort of a tangerine. There's some slight sort of blood mm. orange. Uh, and, blood and orange is of, good. Yeah. When you go into the flavor, it carries a good malt flavor, as you expect from a red mm-hmm. ale. So mm-hmm. you get some caramel and some toffee. You get uh, decent maltiness. Not you know what's kind of reminded me of strangely, if you were to, I don't know if if this is quite accurate, but a churro, churro, which is sort of the cinnamon. Mm-hmm. Mexican things. It's probably like a puffed corn, yeah. fried corn, something or another. Well, I was getting that whole maize thing in one of the previous beers, mm-hmm. right? So, but it's it's kind of a nice sort of sweetness, maybe almost like a, almost kind of like a pie crust too. I mean, I would assume churros are corn because they're Mexican, but they almost have a texture of puffed rice. You know? Yeah, they're more like a rice type thing. I don't know. I don't know. Not a churro expert. No, we are definitely not churro experts. The the both of us combined have about as much churro expertise as this pen does. (laughs) We probably can pronounce churro more than this pen can. So there you go. That's about it. This tastes I mean this is this is a good beer. Um very clean. It's you know, there's no crazy off flavors. This one traveled well. Yeah. It um, tastes like something you'd expect out of the Yakima area. You know, it's something of the Pacific Northwest. This is two point eight standard drinks, so five hundred milliliters, six point nine percent alcohol volume. You do the math. Yeah, somewhere around four percent, four and a half percent at twelve ounces is a standard drink. Well, I don't know if they use ounces or milliliters. No. Right, three thirty, yeah. whatever. But somewhere around there is where the standard drink is. I actually like these bottles. They're they're better than the American bottles. I think. I feel a little uncomfortable. Like the only bottle that is the right shape is the Otis. Yes. Right. The rest of the bottles, the Yeasty Boys is a twelve ounce bottle, but it is um, its shoulders too low. Mm-hmm. It's goofy looking. You know, it's a little and, kind of it's kind of anchor like, but not quite there no I, it's not anchor it just looks like oh, i don't know it, it actually looks so much smaller than this one is this one 330 also yeah they're both uh, no that's nuts how are these two bottles both 330 milliliters maybe the fill level is much lower on one does one have a no they're both 330 i mean yeah they don't have a punt I don't know. One bottle looks so much smaller than the other. It could be that one was filled more than the other. Yeah, that could be it. But the the Otis is the only one that's using a good a good standard North American bottle. Yeah. Er, the other ones are America. all these crazy New Zealand half liters and this really goofy Yeasty Boy bottle. Mm-hmm. But these other ones are all these tall. What do you guys think of them? Un American. These tall 500 milliliter bottles, which are, are interesting. I mean, half liter is a good size for a beer. Yeah. 
Alright, so we're finishing up the Yakima Scarlet. It, it's, a, it's a fine beer. Mm. It tastes fresh. I like the caramel and toffee that you mentioned. I, I like the hoppiness, too, that, that balances out and also gives it just a slight kind of resiny uh, tone to it that uh, that adds something mm. to it, I think. it gives. I would a... say it's probably like a, a, a 65-35 Cascade Chinook-type blend or something like that, if I had to wager a guess. Centennial Cascade and Columbus. Okay. Yeah, and and so, Chinook sure. I can see in there. You know, you yeah, can, yeah. You, you, can, you can make that. Yeah, yeah, actually, now that you say that, I see it. Centennial and Columbus. Yeah, the Chinook yeah. was a little bit of a stretch, I guess. It, I, I mean, Chinook is just a slightly stronger kind of Columbus, really. More it's, piney. Yeah. All right. So then, one more beer, and then we will get out of your hair for another week. You don't have to worry about us at all. You can worry if you want. And if you really are worrying about us, you should go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Should I pull out? No. No more music, no. All right. So our next and final beer is another bureaucracy beer. This is Smoko. This is a Bamberg Rush beer slash Smoke Lager. It's only 4.9% ABV. It's a 500 ml bottle. I think it's fitting. We start smoked and we end smoked. The good old Kiwi smoke. Idleness. Is that what he says? I, 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 yeah, idleness. Oh, Jesus, Greg. You're getting too witty for me here. Indolence. What the, What does indolence mean? Indolence? Like. Indolence. Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> it's, it's indolence. I don't know what that means. Idleness. Next word. Indolence. Oh, that's sort of like um, uh, g- going against the grain. Let me look up a definition for it. But it's kind of, it's kind of going against the grain. Kind of uh, going against the authority. If you say so. Mm-hmm. You got to stand. This Greg has got to stand together. Uh, oh, I guess uh, maybe not. <laughs> Avoidance of activity or exertion or laziness. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that goes with idleness for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. All right, the Smoko. It's a ra- Bamberg Rausch beer, and yeah, it smells like a Bamberg Rausch beer. Ooh, it um, sure does. Second sniff, I got a little bit of plasticky. Let's hope that it doesn't. This is batch 813. Enjoy before February 2014. Yeah. 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 It might be. It might be ignorable. On the flavor, mm. nah, it's kind of. I hate to say it, you know, because Greg was here, but it's kind of plasticky. Didn't travel well. Didn't it's not well. skunked. It's not skunked. But again, you know, it's best before February. We're yeah. already in almost May. I mean, he did mention that these kind of things, this beer, mm. these beers would not likely travel well. 
So we... Uh, I just want to move on to the ranking, if that's okay with you. Sure. Give me one second here. Let me take... Let me just give... Uh, let me give his notes on, on okay. Smoko. He says, uh, Be careful opening this one. Attempting to achieve the Bamberg level carbonation tends to cause it to foam up a bit. But, eh, it didn't really foam up that much. But, yeah, it's a little, little plasticky. Just on the taste and aroma. So... Mm. I don't know if we can rank the bureaucracies. I think I oh, come on. You make such stock in ranking. I think we're going to. Well, well, I think we them. didn't. We decide that that if if we if if a beer doesn't is is not what it's intended to be, we don't rank it. I'm torn here. You can. It's up to well, you. What if Greg just isn't a good brewer? You know, <laughs> I, mean, I hate to say it, but what if, right? I mean that that's something we can't we we can't obviously discount because we haven't tried them fresh. Oh, but. Right, right. But I mean, from what we've had, so I'm I'm really I'm ready to actually rank them. You know, and put them both where they need to be. All right. Well, I, I love you, Greg. You're a great friend. Um, hopefully, you're just, you're still our friend. But we're just gonna we're gonna be honest because we respect you. All right. Go for it, Jeff. All right, so I'm gonna start from the top and work my way down. And there were uh, three beers that really <clears throat> stood out above the other three, or other four. Where'd the fourth bottle go? There it is. Uh, let's see. So my favorite beer of the night has got to be the Three Boys Oyster Stout. The beer was delicious. It had everything going on, no apparent flaws, and um, great, robust, rich stout with. Uh, the oysters, the oysters weren't playing first fiddle. They mm-hmm. um, were there with you knew it. If you're drinking it blind, you might miss them, but it provides some right great nuance. Number two, I'm going to put the Yeasty Boys, the Tea Leaf, uh, Gunamata. Uh, it was just really interesting having that potent tea beer with uh, bergamot oil. And I'd love to try some formulation batches of this beer where they kind of tone back the Bergmont just to see how it plays out. But I'm not saying they're wrong by making it so potent. I just would like to see what the other options mm-hmm. were and what they had passed up to say, let's do this one at you know, 9.5 <laughs> Bergamot, you know, instead of, you know, uh, 5.5 Bergamot. <clears throat> Number three... I'm going to put the uh, the Acoma Scarlet. Another clean beer. Pretty good. Um, tasted, you know, like a, a American, you know, Northwest beer. You know, really didn't taste traveled or anything like that. It was really good. I was going to that one. Number four. This is the, the lower tier of the ranking now is where we get into. So there's three great beers and then four beers. I'm trying to remember the Otis. Which was the Otis? The Otis was... The oatmeal stout, but it was skunked. Right. Remember that? Yes. How do you skunk an oatmeal stout? Yeah. I'm going to put the, the Joan of Arc, the, the three finger or the two fingers Joan of Arc smoked pilsner is number four. Uh, it was a clean beer. It was an interesting, good drinker. And then the last three beers all had issues. I'm going to put the Otis in fifth place I'm going to put the 
Smoko in sixth, and then the the intriplicate from bureaucracy is seventh. I'm going to mostly agree with you. So I'm going to go bottom to top. Uh, my my brew for the, I mean for the last uh, the, the first the last four whatever you want to call it are, are exactly the same. Intriplicate number seven, Smoko number six. Sorry, Greg, just the way it happened. I understand these things don't travel well. I'm I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm, well, I'm almost sure. I hope you can make great. Yeah, that that it that it, you know it, it's better in New Zealand and didn't suffer from you know and, and you know you're unpasteurized and all the other stuff, so that makes sense. And my five is the Otis. Uh, I don't even remember it that well, but Jeff says it was it was Kunkton. I mean, other than the skunkiness, it was, it was pretty good, right? It was an oatmeal stout. Yeah. Had a good body to it, but it had this strange light striking going on, and that just really killed it overall. So, so do you like, I did remember liking the the Joan of Arc. Uh, that was my number four beer. I mean, I like the smokiness to it, but I think the other beers kind of eclipsed it. My number three is going to be the Easty Boys, the, the, the TIPA. I, I think that was really kind of unique and interesting. have not had much in the way of TIPAs before. I don't even know if I've had a TIPA before. I mean, not, not anything, nothing had, this, this much. We tea. did a beer from... The brewery was... I'm a, Give me a second here. I'm, I can picture the label. It was out of the Midwest, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin area, somewhere in there. It was uh, Brewers Gone Wild was a series. It was from, hold on, let me Google that. All right. Well, as Jeff is Googling it, I will say that the, I, I really thought that that was really interesting and good. And I, I really like that, the, the flavor. Tyrania. We did a beer from Tyrania. I think okay. I tea in it. All right. So that was I, I really enjoyed that a lot. Those uh, those Yeasty Boys, they uh, they know what they're doing. Uh, give them gratitude. And that side. Anyway, okay. Uh, my number two is actually Yakima. I I really like the the kind of red ale with with a lot of hoppiness to it. I think that that adds something to a red ale. Makes it. Something more than just the kind of malty thing with a slight hoppiness to it. You, you give a red a hoppiness, it gives a kind of a pale ale with a malt. It, uh, the kind of thing that I like about a pale ale, I like a malty pale ale, and a red ale is, with a hoppy bent is kind of a the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a beer I really like. But my number one has to be that oyster stout. Man, that was good. Uh, I was really just digging that, and I just wanted to have more and more of that, and I was so glad that there was more. Left over, 500 milliliter bottle. Awesome stuff. The beer I was most afraid of was the beer that was number Cuz one. Because it was a green bottle. Because it was a green bottle. was the beer I was, I, I was definitely uh, digging the most. So there you go. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Craft Beer Radio. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. You can visit our website for more information. Greg's frantically trying to get some outro music playing. And... There we go. Uh, you can contact us. I am available uh, several ways. You can email both of us 
using the email address beer at craftbeerradio.com. You can hit us up on Twitter. I am at Jeff Bear. I'm at CBR Greg. And uh, that's really the best ways. We have a Facebook page. We have a Google Plus page. But you don't check those so much. So please get on Twitter or on email. Uh, anything else you want to say? Splish Splash. Uh, Fly the Concords. If you have not seen Fly the Concords, watch their HBO series. It's awesome and hilarious and funny as anything. And uh, they're New Zealand guys, so there you go. And apparently there's no more music, so we outstate our welcome. We will. Uh... There it goes. Bonjour. Do, 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 do. How do you say goodbye in French? It's uh... Uh, Everyone's yelling at their microphone right yeah. now. Uh, it's 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 bonjour negativo. <laughs> it's uh au revoir. Au revoir, that's it.